Well, Happy New Year, Mountain. Good to see everybody. Welcome if you're joining us from uh, you know, one of our campuses. Maybe you're, you're here at the Mountain Road campus with me, or you're at the Abingdon campus, or the uh, Bel Air campus, Edgewood campus, or joining us online. Glad you're with us. Uh, Christmas at Mountain was fantastic. A lot of you have asked. We've just got some great stories. I'll put out some stories and tell you a little bit about it this week in an e-note. If you're not signed up for e-notes, you can do that on our website. But it was just a great time. We had, I think, almost 14,000 people in our 14 service, or 22 services. It was just a great thing. And the cool thing is you know so much, so much is happening in the spiritual plane that we've already heard some great stories just about what God was doing through that service. And, you know, there's a lot of people who are at Mountain today who will say they kind of trace back a, a, a catapult of a, their journey with God that started at one of those Christmas services. And we just fully expect and anticipate that in the weeks and the months and the years to come, we'll, we'll hear the same from this year. And uh, so maybe you're, maybe you're here today uh, at one of our uh, services at Mountain because for whatever reason, you found yourself at a Christmas service at Mountain, and maybe you're just kind of coming back to check things out. Just welcome. Really glad you're here. You're coming at a great time. So, um, you know, uh, after Christmas, when you do that kind of stuff, typically my routine is I go into a a brief uh, catatonic state, and then I recover, and we do Christmas, and then we often try to get back and see our families in the Midwest. So I want to show you some pictures from our our trip, but honestly, they're all going to be people, because family is why we go back. So we go back to Iowa first. That's where Carter's side of the family is, and every family has an identity, and ours is unique, is just as yours is, and we enjoy being with our family. I know some of you would not uh, enjoy being with family. We really do. Um, you probably even enjoy our family. Just some goofing off. Here's a couple more pictures of the, the group photo of uh, Carla's side of the family, uh, just a bunch of her siblings and their kids. And then we went to Minnesota, which was uh, north of there a little bit. Um, I think back up one. Do we have, I think we have a, a slide of the Minnesota I want to show them. Is there one more in there? No, I wanted to show them the thermometer. I guess we don't have it. Anyway, it, well, yeah, there you go. Uh, it was a little chilly. That gave us more time to sit around inside and, and chat and hang out. Uh, so I'll show you some of these pictures, some of these, these other pictures of family. Each one of these people are so important to me. I'd love to tell you more about them uh, because each person kind of helps shape the family. And what I noticed this year especially is the little, little people, my nieces and nephews and their kids, uh, some of the little young people. And I think we've got some more pictures next slide here of some of these little guys. They're watching and they're learning how our family is. They're learning who we are and what we laugh at and uh, what, how we pray and uh, how things kind of roll in our family, you know. And, and I think we all come away enriched. Some of the other people, there's my sister, my mom, this is uh, my son and his girlfriend and, you know, all kinds of uh, good family memories that, that were, were made there. And uh, I could tell you a story about each of these people. They're just like faces to you. But, you know, this next one here, this, this is my brother Joe. I, I could tell you so many stories about my brother Joe, and he's just so close and special to me. But I, the, I think you're starting to see, yeah, this is, this is sort of the web that becomes my, my, my world. I'll show you one more as we're getting ready to leave on, uh, on uh, New Year's Eve. Under the mistletoe, called out my mom and dad, and 66 years of marriage and faithfulness to each other has become a kind of important part of our family. You know, our family's not perfect. It's a little crazy in certain ways. We don't always get along perfectly. But you know what? This is us. This is us. So the uh, reason I'm telling you that is because you probably recognize that phrase, this is us. It's also a huge show. A lot of you are all into it. It comes back and starts up Tuesday night. Uh, I've never seen it, but I've heard it's awesome. Good for you if you like the show. Um, 
But let me tell you, I love the phrase. Not just because it describes my family or yours, but because it's an opportunity for us to step back and say, you know what, this is us. This is who we are called to be as as God's people and to give us a chance to say, what is it about this place that God wants us to be and that we really are when it comes down to it? Um, You know, everybody is looking for kind of a place to belong. I think everyone is looking for a place to call home where you fit in, where you say, this is family and, and this is us. And, you know, God's dream is that that would happen with him and with each other, those who are in relationship with him. That's God's dream. And for a lot of people, Mountain is that kind of place for you. It's special and it's home. And what we hope to do over the next few weeks is name some of those things that you already know make this place unique, special, powerful, strong, home, a place you love. Many others are new or not yet engaged or kind of watching, observing, and this is an opportunity for you to say, you know, this, this is what makes this place roll, and this is kind of who we are. And I just want to invite everybody to find your place. Find your place with what God's put you on the planet to do and be. Because I promise you, he's put you here to connect with some people, to connect with him, and to do it in community. This is us. We want to be that kind of place. And you got to decide where you're going to do that. And you'll know at the end of this series how to do that at a place like Mountain. As we look at these biblical principles that kind of have become markers for the Mountain Place. I, I encourage you to do a gut check on yourself about you know, why you're, why you're here. You're, you're not on the planet to suck air and take up space. It's not why you're here. God, your life matters. God has a call in your life, and he's got a purpose for you, and it's meant to be caught up in the greatest work in the world. We're going to talk about some of that over the next few weeks. And this isn't a perfect place by a long shot, but you're going to know who we are And I think this series is going to be important for a lot of people because we're at an exciting juncture at our church as we move ahead to some cool things. And I think there's some people maybe who've been burned by the church or upset by different things um, in the past, maybe years ago or recently, or some people who maybe have been closed off to just God being a big part of your life. And you're going to be maybe here afresh. You're going to turn your energy to say, I'm open to that. I'm open to God being a bigger part. This is your time. There's some skeptics. There's some, um, there's some people who just have a kind of thing against the sensibilities inside of them say, I don't like organized or institutional religion. There's some hang-ups you have with history. You maybe particularly don't like mega anything. So we're going to break down some of those false images and also just hold up who we are supposed to be and meant to be and taste and see that the Lord is good. And maybe you're just going through a need or a struggle. You need a church home or you're, or maybe some of us have been kind of spectators, honestly. We've just kind of been on the sidelines watching, observing, enjoying. And you're going to feel Jesus kind of walk right up to you, hand you a jersey with your name on the back and go, here, put this on, get in the game. We need you. Okay? One way or the other, I just hope you'll engage and, and move from sort of they, them, that to, to say, wait, wait, this is us, me. I'm engaged, I'm, I'm involved. And we're gonna do that by looking at some mantras and some of the values, the culture pieces that kind of make mountain, mountain and uh, hold it up and just say, you know what, this is us. Are you in? Are you in? That's, that's what we're gonna do, okay? So each week we'll look at one of those. Um, I, want, I had this perfect illustration, but it was kind of a sports illustration. I didn't wanna bring up sports around here right now because 
Good grief. Some of you are going to automatically assume I'm hinting about the Ravens and how they're not doing so well. Okay, they're out of the playoffs and how the Vikings are probably the best team in the game right now. And as a pastor, that would be insensitive. And some of you are new, and I don't want to make anyone mad, so I'm not even going to bring all that up. Just skip right over that. And instead, I have uh, just a kind of illustration that I think will kind of kick us off here. Have a little fun with this. And I was kind of talking here earlier to my friend Ashlyn. Will you, will you come on up here? Give a big round of applause for my friend Ashlyn. He's going to come help me. I need a volunteer. So come on up. So here's what we're going to do. Ashlyn, uh, I want you to just relax and, and sit right here. Thanks for helping us out, by the way. It's like you never know. That's what She's never going to sit in the front again, I'll tell you that. So... Thanks for being here. Here's what we're going to do. I, in my pocket, I have this a little ball, and I, I want you to just kind of keep your eye on the ball, okay? Everybody keep your eye on the ball, all right? Now, here's the deal, because you're real close to me right here. You, you're going to have a perspective where you can see some stuff probably that they won't be able to see. You suppose that's true? Yeah. Yes. So if you see something about how this little thing works that they don't see, don't tell them, okay? And likewise, if you see something that Ashley doesn't see, you don't tell her. Here's how it works. We're just going to kind of take the ball. I'm just going to kind of wave it around like this. Keep your eye on the ball, okay? I'm going to wave it around. I'm going to put it in my hand. We're going to see if we can make something cool happen, okay? Are you ready? Here's how it works. Ready? Here we go. We'll go one, two, three, and we'll just kind of put it in there and see what happens, okay? Ready? Here we go. You ready? You ready? Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of cool, huh? Well, you didn't see is it's back in the pocket. Here, I'll get it out of there. Just a second. Got it done in the pocket. Let's try it again. I'll, I'll slow it down this time, okay? Kind of fun, isn't it? Okay, just watch again. Here we go. I'm just going to take it. I'm just going to go one, two. We'll do it on two this time, okay? I'll put it in the hand. Okay. All right, are you ready? Okay. You want to blow this time? Sure. Go ahead. You're amazing. Look at that. Isn't that cool? Yeah. You, did you see it go down in the pocket? No. Okay, that's all right. I, I'll, do, I'll slow it down one more time. <laughs> okay, last time. Okay, here we go. Ready? Watch really close this time because I might go on like one this time, okay? I don't know. It's, not, it's happening faster and faster all the time. Tell you what. How about we give a big round of applause for our friend Ashley for helping us out. You're a great sport. Don't trip, don't trip on the balls on your way out. Come on. Come on. Don't leave me hanging. All right. Thanks, girl. All right. Good sport. Wouldn't you love to be Ashley up here where everyone gets to laugh at you and think, man, how come she can't see what we can see? Sometimes the church does that. Sometimes the church has a really big, obvious thing right in front of it and can't see it, and we miss the ball. And sometimes the rest of the watching world sees it and goes, well, that's just stupid. That just, how come they can't see that? There's too much moving too fast sometimes in our world and our church and our eyes and our focus, and we, we look in the wrong place. And what we want to do today is start with a sort of foundational mantra that sort of drives this is us. Here it is. Mission First. Keep your eye on the ball. Keep the main thing, the main thing. Don't get distracted. Don't look all over. Churches are into so many things, and they think there's so many reasons that we're here, and everything from tradition, and, and, and I want to do it this way or that. Well, you know what? We've got a mission, and we must keep it first. This is us. What I love about Mountain there's a lot of things that people observe about Mountain that they think are unique about Mountain. Oh, it's that big church, as if that's the most interesting thing about us. It's the least interesting thing about us. Or it's that church with a big stone structure. Or it's that church with that strikingly tall, handsome pastor. I, I mean, we hear all this all the time. Those aren't the most interesting things about this church. Let me tell you the most interesting thing is that we do have a really crystal clear focus 
We don't want to waste a lot of sideways energy on anything but the main thing, which is our mission. This is a mission-driven church, mission first. Mission first. And I'll tell you, that's fairly unique. It's fairly unique. It's what drew me here is the possibility of being a part of a, of a mission first kind of place, to be a mission outpost. And it's not really our mission, let's be honest. It's the mission, God's mission. And we've just been invited into it like co-missionaries. We've been given a co-mission, a commission. And it's God's mission. Did you know God was a missionary God? So the people and the planet that he made and brought into existence for a relationship with himself, you and me and the whole world, have strayed away. And as a result, everything is a little bit twisted and messed up and dark. Our pushback against God was brought, was brought into the world a reality where nothing is really the way it's supposed to be anymore. Not the way it was created, not the way God says he wants it to be. If you look around, you can see it in the environment, you can see it in society, you can see it in culture, you can see it in families, you can feel it in your relationships, you can feel it in your own heart. You just know whether you're looking at cancer or car crashes or refugees or hatred or discord or envy or jealousy or even the fact that when you, you live on this planet right now, what happens is you live a while, you suffer and die. That's a real pick-me-up, isn't it? But that's not the way it was meant to be. We were meant to live in the presence and the union and the joy with others and God. That's how we were put here. Now death is something we, we fear because it separates us from all that we know and love. We can sense that the world really isn't the way it's meant to be, can't we? And the Bible actually says it this way, that the whole earth is sort of groaning, aching, groaning and waiting for God to do something, to fix something, to redeem everything, to put the world back to rights, to put ourselves and him and our relationships and everything back to right. And, and, and so the beautiful message of the Christian faith is that there's good news. God has not left us here stuck alone, but has, in fact, intervened and is working a plan that is going to come to completion one day to put everything back to right. And he initiated this plan because he just can't help himself because of his love. His love. God decided to do something about his people. And love is like that. Love always makes you do stuff. It's not a feeling. And so we're thinking this weekend about that scripture verse. It's maybe the most off-quoted of any in the Bible. We've already heard it once today. Let's look at it again. John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. This is, this is the words of Jesus himself. When he described what we're talking about, he said, For God so greatly loved the world. The word world, world there is, is, not a, is not a word for, for the planet. It means the people. God, God was so moved with love toward the people that he had made that he went so far as to, to gave his one and only son part of himself. Love always gives like that. Why did he do that? So that, here's now we're getting to mission now. Here's the purpose. Why? So that whoever, God extended this hand down to us and say, I want to help. I care. Why? So that anyone who would extend the hand back, anyone who believes and trusts in him, shall not perish, be separated from God, but instead have eternal life. For you, that means death is no longer a dead end, but a doorway to a new, awesome, amazing life. And that new life begins now, where we get to enjoy the fullness of life. Verse 17 says that 
says that God didn't send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world. That's what a lot of people think that God is all about. The Bible says, that's all wrong. No, 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 no. Why did he do it? So that the world might be saved through him. God extending a hand saying, will you trust me and come into relationship with me? And that, that's the beautiful reach of God in our need. You know, someone said it this way. There is a God-shaped hole in every human heart. It's a good way of expressing what, a, what is absolutely true about you and me and everyone you know. Whether, whether we admit this or even know it, doesn't matter. doesn't change the fact that there is a God-shaped hole in every human heart. And the hole presents as an ache, as a, as a dull awareness sometimes, or sometimes a sharp pain that we know something's not quite right. That we're not full, we're not whole, we're not saved, we're not done yet. There's more. There's got to be more. We know it. It's a God-shaped hole. And you can try to fill the hole with all kinds of stuff, and a lot of people do. Success, and get a job, and make a lot of money, and get a new wife, and a bigger car, or, or drugs, sex, alcohol, whatever. It's all just our feeble attempt on this broken, twisted planet to fill the God-shaped hole. But Jesus promises nothing will fill it but God, and that's why he came. And a person who reaches out in trust that believes that might be so, that there is a, a, a good creator God who made you and that whole is really one way to draw you back to himself. If you trust that and put your hand in Jesus' hand and have a relationship with Christ, you will feel the sense of wholeness, fullness. The Bible's word is shalom, salvation, that you can't find any other way. And when you get blessed like that, that's not something you can sit on. You know instantly and instinctively you are blessed to be a blessing. And that, my friends, is what the mission is all about. God so loved that he sent his son, sent the hand. Anyone who trusts him can receive that blessing and then be a blessing so that others might receive it as well. John 20, 21, Jesus says it this way. As the Father sent me, God so loved the world, he sent Jesus. Jesus now so loves the world, he's sending you. He's sending me. As the Father has sent me, so now I am sending you. This is where the mission comes in, and that's our focus. And that's the ball we've got to keep our eyes on. We're representatives of Jesus. That's our calling. Romans 10 says it this way. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Anyone who recognizes, I think I'm going to try God. Call on the name of the Lord. It's good. But how will a person call on him who they've not believed in? How are you going to say, I'm going to trust Christ if I, if I don't do that yet? And how will they believe in him of who they never heard if they don't know that's what the option is? And how will they hear without a messenger, someone to proclaim it? And how can the messenger deliver unless they are sent for that purpose? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news of good things. This is a good news of good things, church. This is a beautiful feet, church. This is a church that is sent for the purpose of all of that. That's why we're here. Mission first. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Amazing. Great news. Old, gone. New has begun. And all of that is called grace. It's a free gift from God. Whoops. Go back one, one I, I got ahead of myself. Sorry about that. Who brought us back to himself through Christ. Next slide. Now the next slide. And now God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. 
And now he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. He gave it to us. That's the mission. Next verse. So that means we are Christ's ambassadors. You're an ambassador. Together we are ambassadors. We represent the king and his message. We're, and he's making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Friends, that's our message as a church. That's why we're here. We're trying to say to everyone, come back to God. We're trying to say to that person who's been going to church their whole life and going through the motions and not experiencing any real relationship with Christ, we're trying to say, come back to God. We're trying to say to the person who's, who's been down such a bad, dead road, uh, far away from God, that they that think there's no hope for them. But we can say, oh, come back to God, and he'll have you. That's why we're here. That's our mission. Jesus summed it up this way. His last words, some of his final spoken words before he left the planet and went to be where he is now with the Father, were these. It's called sometimes the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. He said, Jesus came and told his disciples, and that really is us, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. So what I'm about to say means something. Therefore, go and make disciples. Jesus' last words, go and make disciples. Of who? Everyone, all peoples. How? Well, two parts. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In other words, get them started in that process. Baptize them. Get them going. And then don't stop there. Teach them. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. Help them to be like me. Help them to keep growing. And don't worry, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. That, my friend, is the heartbeat of the mission. And how about we use those words, the very words of Jesus himself, to be the very definition of the mission of this church? Well, that's exactly what we've done. If you know the mission of mountains, say it with me. This, my friends, is the punchline. This is on the test. You need to know this. Okay? This church has a mission. It has a purpose. It has a clear identity and focus, and this is it. Mission first. The purpose and mission of Mountain Christian Church is, say it if you know it with me, to make disciples more and better disciples. That's the one thing. Everything we do boils down to this one thing. Every program we run, every sermon we preach, every line item in our budget, every ministry effort, including this one we're experiencing right now, is all about that one thing, to make disciples, more and better disciples. What's that mean? More. More refers to the baptizing, bring them in, help someone become a follower of Jesus. And better refers to, don't stop there. Some, some people get that kind of screwed up. They think the goal is to get someone saved. That's not the goal in the Bible. The goal is once you become a disciple, get baptized and become into a, a discipleship, is to keep growing, become a better disciple. It's a lifelong journey of continual transformation. Friends, this is us. This is us. It's all we do. A lot of things we don't do. All authority has been given to me, Jesus says. In other words, it's not our idea. We don't get to decide. It's his mission. What does he say? Go. So we don't sit. We don't wait and wring our hands that people aren't going to church like they used to. We're going to go because we're on a mission. We're going to go wherever the need is. We're going to respond in whatever society tells us. The message never changes. The methods have to because the world is changing. And what do we do? We make disciples. What's a disciple? A disciple is simply a follower of Jesus, someone who actually follows Jesus. A disciple is not someone who knows the name of Jesus, likes Jesus, is a fan of Jesus, or sits in a church that has Jesus on their sign. 
Disciple someone who actually follows Jesus, subscribes to the teachings of Jesus, someone who, who looks and feels uh, more and more each day a little bit more like Jesus, who says, what would Jesus do if he were in my place as I'm responding to this situation? So I might learn to forgive like Jesus, look at the world like Jesus would look at the world, feel like Jesus and act like Jesus. That's a, a Christian is a little Christ. And together we are the body of Christ. And we're supposed to look and be the hands and feet of Jesus. And how do we do that? We make disciples, more and better disciples. And that really is who we are. This is us. It's why we're here. It's our raison d'etre. Pardon my French. It just means reason for being. Friends, the church doesn't have a mission. God's mission happens to have a church. And so we're just ambassadors of his. And so many people are here at this church precisely because that mission has reached to them. And now we're all invited to be part of reaching to others to complete this mission, fulfill it, because it's the way God is healing this broken, aching planet. And one day, we want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. So what does this mean? It means we're not, it means we're not a member-driven church. We're not a member-driven church. We're not like some club somewhere where we sort of, everyone gets a vote and we pay our dues and that way we expect things to go according to our preference. No, we're not a member-driven church. When you die to yourself, something greater can arise in its place. And this is what God's church is called to do. Think of Jesus. He's the Lord of the church, the master of the mission. He died for this mission. Then he calls us to to do the same. Take up your own cross. Follow me. Do like me. And so to take the church and make it somehow all about, you know, the members is all wrong. It's an inward focus. That No, we're an externally focused place. And churches that get lost in this, where they're member-driven, sometimes get so confused. It becomes a power and who's in control and as if it's all about us. It's not. We're not a member-driven church. The mission is always greater than the preferences, needs, and wants of any single individual. We're also not a maintenance driven church, as if the goal is to sort of keep our doors open and stay alive. But this is sadly where a lot of churches find themselves today. The vast majority of churches in this country are plateaued or declining. 4,000 will close their doors this year. Most struggle to change or innovate or reach the next generation because they can't. They're just trying to stay alive and keep their doors open and then they feel stuck and they got to do it like they've always done it. It's called maintenance and we don't want to be that way. We want to be a mission-driven church. Nor are we a me-driven church. A me-driven church is a church where people are filled, fill, people fill the church who, who think it really is all about me because our society has taught us so well that all we are is consumers. And that reduces the human person quite drastically, frankly. But when you believe that all you are is a consumer, then you just approach church the same way as another provider of spiritual goods and services to, to your satisfaction. If you're not happy and you don't like it, you don't like the temperature, the weather, the preacher, or the music, or the seats, or something like that, just chop and hop and bop and go find some other church that will maybe meet your needs. And then if you don't like that, you keep going because you're a consumer. And the only problem with that is it's all wrong and it ruins the vision and the mission of the church. We're not here to be the church so the church can serve us. We're here because the church is about service. It's different. So we've got to get our eyes off ourselves and get them onto the needs of the world. Keep your eye on the right ball because we've been given a mission, and that's most important. We want to be a mission-driven church. We want to be a mission outpost. 
in this place where God has planted us. So there's two halves to the mission. We're here to make disciples, more and better disciples. More refers to that process of doing whatever it takes to help anyone become a follower of Jesus and know life in his name now and for all eternity. Sometimes we call that reaching the lost. Do you know this? God's heart aches for anyone whose heart is far from him. Do you know that? God's heart is not okay with anyone whose heart is far from him. Maybe you know someone that comes to mind when I say those words. They're close to you, but far from God. Maybe it's you. It's good for us to remember what Jesus himself said when they asked him about the heart of the Father. What is God really like? One of the things he said one day is he said, well, one thing you know God is like, he's like a shepherd who has a hundred sheep and he's counting the sheep into the pen at night and only 99 come in. He's got a hundred, but he's missing one. Now, everyone knows a good, normal, shrewd shepherd would just cut his losses and keep the 99 and maybe in the morning light go look for that one. But no, 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 not this. This is a crazy shepherd, Jesus said. This guy is a crazy dude shepherd. He's just like, he's just like out there in the middle of the night panicking, looking at where's that one lost shepherd? Got to find that shepherd. Got to find that one sheep. Where's that sheep? Where's that sheep? And that's the heart of the Father toward any one person who's still not connected in the fold with him. That's the mission of the Father. It's got to be our mission too. And then when that shepherd finds that sheep, Oh, there's a huge celebration. It says in Luke chapter 15, when he arrives back to camp, he says, I found the sheep. He calls his friends, his neighbors together, rejoice with me because I found my lost sheep. In the same way, Jesus says this, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over the 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Friends, that's why we celebrate and hoot and holler while others want to say, is that okay? Can we do that? We do that a lot around here, especially when it's a baptism because we think it represents someone who's coming to Christ and Jesus is coming home with another sheep around his neck. So next time you see a baptism, you just check your gut, and it's okay to cheer. That's what we do. That's the win. We're not afraid to draw a target around what Jesus said is the win. That's the win. We're not afraid to do it. Why did Jesus come? Luke 19, ask him. Here's what he said. He said, I came to seek and to save the lost. That's why God sent Jesus. That's why Jesus is sending you. That's why we're here. We're the body of Christ. Friends, this is us. This is us. Somewhere along the line, a lot of churches started to think that we had to become sort of designed by Christians for Christians only kind of experience. Like it's insider language and insider music and insider everything, but that's not who we want to be. You know, we're a weird organization, the church, really, when it's working right. We're kind of strange. We're really one of the only organizations I can think of that exists for the benefit of non-members. We're kind of here for people who aren't here yet. We want to be a church for people who don't go to church. We want to be a church for people who hate church. Because that's exactly who Jesus was. Irreligious people felt very comfortable around him. He spent a lot of time eating and sharing meals with them. People who weren't like Jesus liked Jesus. And as we are representatives of Christ, that's our job. And if you're irreligious and you're skeptic, you're a seeker, you're, you're not sure about any of this, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. This is a church for you. 
You can chase down your questions. You can wrestle with your doubts. You can just sort of blend in to figure out what the future looks like for you. And the rest of us, if you're already in, that's our mission, isn't it? If not us, who? If not here, where? That's the mission. We have a little slogan that goes like this. If a decision ever comes down to choosing between reaching out to help a lost person come home to Christ or making ourselves more comfortable, we're going to reach out every time because that's what Jesus would do. There's just no question about it. That kind of love reminds me of the love story that you see at the conclusion of the film Titanic. Remember that? I don't know. This is, it feels like it was recent because I'm so old. It feels like a recent. What was this, like 50 years ago this movie came out? I don't know. But you all remember it. It's a classic. That woman, Rose, is kind of reminiscing at the, at the end of the movie. She's got her eyes closed, her head rolled back. She's kind of thinking of the tragic death of so many who were aboard that ship that would never sink. Remember? She was among those who were flailing about in the icy waters that dark night. Now, about 700 people from the ship scrambled down immediately into lifeboats, 20 lifeboats. They were mostly wealthy, first-class people with kids and that kind of thing, but Rose was not one of those. Um, She's in the icy waters, thrashing about, clinging to debris before she freezes to death. She's barely alive, and she finds a corpse. And with a whistle around the corpse's neck, she grabs it, and with her own frozen lips, she blows as hard as she can. Nearby, she can see about 20 lifeboats like the one on the screen paddling away. And in her mind's eye, she remembers all this. She can see, we know now there were 1,500 people, if you can picture that, bobbing around in the dark night, flailing and freezing, clinging to wreckage, 20 lifeboats nearby. When Rose's whistle pierced the darkness, only one turned around for her and went after her. Only one went to the trouble, the effort, and the risk to paddle through the darkness and figure out where that whistle was coming from and pull Rose into the boat. Only one. 1,500 people in the water. Six of them were rescued that night. And it wasn't that the boats didn't have room. They did. They could seat 40 or more, and there was 12 in most of them. It's just that somehow the people in the boat didn't think about it, didn't care enough, didn't want to risk it. Once they were safe, Thought that was the mission? Looking at those empty lifeboats, let me ask you a question. Those half-empty lifeboats on that night, paddling past people dying in the water, would you still call that a lifeboat? Is it still a lifeboat? I mean, I guess it is in name, and I guess it is for the people in it. And the other six they pulled from the water, but for the 1,500 still in the water, is it really a lifeboat? looked like one, but it didn't fulfill its mission. I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about us. Rose told that story because one of those boats heard the whistle, turned around, and went for her. And friends, that's the kind of church Mountain is. That's who we want to be. That's who we're called to be. We're not just announcing something from up on high. If you want to get in the boat, climb up. We're going to move toward the whistles. And if you're hurting... And you're alone, mountain can be a lifeboat for you. 
And if you're spiritually confused or you're angry at God or drowning in grief or whatever the case, Mountain can be a lifeboat for you. And if you have really lived a bad life, you've spit in God's face, you may wonder if he would ever have you back. The beautiful thing about grace is so amazing is you can blow the whistle and he's right there. He'll turn the boat. And we want to be that kind of church because God has sent his son and now he's sending us. And if you're already in the boat, then I just beg of you to understand that the reason we're here is that you and me and all the rest who've been blessed by God through his grace and free and salvation would put a hand to the oar and with every ounce you have, pull toward those who need what Jesus alone can offer. That's why we're here. Sometimes people look at Mountain. Maybe say, wow, it's a big church. Don't you have enough people already? Ha, ha, ha. It's like, it's like saying, well, we've got 12 people in the boat. Friends, the question is not how many people are in the boat. The question is how many are still in the water. And that's a big, big mission. And as long as there's one person, our work's not done. That's what moved our family here 20 years ago. Be with the church who wanted to be on mission. A church that wanted to make a difference. The church that didn't want to do business as usual. A church that didn't want to just be a little holding tank for a bunch of satisfied Christians, but instead folk who would get blisters on their hands and frostbite on their faces because they were willing to paddle after a whistle in the dark. This is a mission field. There's 70 million people in this corridor we call home, called the Northeast. The highest percentage of unchurched anywhere in the country. Maryland. Highest percentage of unchurched county is Harper County, where we happen to be planted. Do you think that's an accident? So we just want to humbly, in our own way, say we want to be in the life-saving business, and we'll do whatever it takes. Paul said it this way, 1 Corinthians. He says, I will do all, I want to become all things to all people. I'll stand on my head. I'll jump around. I'll do whatever. We do a lot of things that some Christian folks don't think is proper and good. We don't care about that. Because we want to be able to have the master who's the master of the mission say, well done. So we're going to do innovative things. And we're going to invest money and time. And that's why we had this crazy celebrate the light thing outdoors. It was crazy. We're in the snow. Why would we do that? Because we're on mission. That's why we have 22 Christmas services. It's why we launched a new campus in Abingdon. It's why, it's why we're beginning a Monday night worship service now. February 5th, Monday night, 7 p.m. at the Abingdon campus. Because it's a way to turn the boat towards some who can't be a part of us other times. That's why we started our online service every weekend, including this one, this service right now. Over 400 people join us, and some weekends more like 800. So we're willing to do about anything for the more and the better. And I'd love to tell you more about the better. We're going to talk about the better side of the mission as well. But I find that just like Jesus, when we strive for the more, We can be very intentional about the better. We just can't get lost in the better and forget about the more. We're going to talk about both of these in the weeks that follow. I want to remind you that we're willing to invest. Mountain's a church that puts our money where Jesus' mouth was. (laughs) He gave us the commission. We need to know as we're giving money to unleash love around here that, you know what? We're not part of a denomination. We don't have any hierarchy or headquarters, someone we've got to send money to. Every dollar we can go directly into the work that is accomplishing mission first. So in addition to all the general fund ministry that you all support with your giving, in addition to 
Mount Kids and Student Ministries and Celebrate Recovery and, and Pastoral Care and Welcome and Worship Services. All, in addition to all that, you, you just need to know that local community impact partnerships, just over the last three years, we've given $1.7 million to things like Blessings in a Backpack, Benevolence Ministry, and Epicenter, a million there, Extreme Family Outreach, Homeless Shelters, Habitat for Humanity, Rafa House, Tabitha's House, Refugee Work, all the rest, just so you know. I want you to know that about this church. This is us. In addition, child sponsorships in Africa and Ecuador primarily add up the MCC household investment in the last three years, $2.5 million. Doesn't come through mountain, just goes directly where it needs to go. In addition to that, global missions all around the world, places like Apache Youth Ministry, Australia, Brazil, Mexico, India, Indonesia, England, Germany, I can go on and on and on and on and on. Another $1.1 million. And new churches in Baltimore and uh, New England and New York City and Annapolis and Washington, D.C., another uh, $325,000. Why do I tell you all that? Just to remind you, Jesus says, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. We put our treasure there because we want our heart to be on the mission as well. Maybe the coolest number I can share with you is the one I'll put on the screen right now. 5,746, the number of people who've said, I want to get baptized at Mountain over the last 20 years. There's a lot of stories there, and each one of those is a ripple effect, and each one of those is a lamb over the neck of Jesus, and each one of those is a celebration in heaven. It's one of the things that we say is part of our target. We're not afraid to celebrate it. We're not afraid to say it's good news. And if you know someone who needs the love of Jesus in their life, they need the sense of peace that only Christ can really bring. You, if you know someone who needs the kind of pure friendships that aren't dragged down by the world's contaminated friendships, the kind of friendships you can only find sometimes in the church, if you know someone that you really care about but you don't have the power to lift them where they need to be lifted beyond their negativity or addiction or discouragement or, or self-sabotaging, self-pity, You can't lift them, but you so wish someone could. You know they need Jesus in their life. You know they need God's peace and presence. You know that their whole purpose in life would be lifted so much if they just had God. But you you know, if that means anything to you, anyone comes to mind, then it'll mean something to you that there's a church somewhere that cares so much about the mission that we'll do whatever it takes to accomplish it. Friends, this is us. We just want to be faithful to it as best we can. Can I just invite you to make this as personal as you can do? It's not just them at Mountain. It's us. God's desire is that you yourself would throw yourself into this mission with all your personal weight. Soren Kierkegaard used to say, purity of heart is to will one thing, to have a singular focus in your life so that whatever else you're doing as you raise kids and be a great mom and an amazing student and figure out the job and live in your neighborhood and all that stuff, great. Jesus said this way, Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Do God's stuff first. And then all these other things will be added to you. Friends, don't just say that's them. Say this is us and it's me. Jump in. Can I um, make a personal invitation that I hope you'll take me up on? Would you reach right in front of you now? There's a welcome card there. It looks like this. You've already filled one out if you've been, you know, dutiful and listening to the people earlier. But would you grab one of those? I'm gonna show you something on there. Well, you're grabbing that. Let me just show you. I'm going to turn you to the side that says, uh, it says, love God, love people, serve the world across the top. That's what a disciple looks like. And it says, register for the Welcome to Mountain class. Here's my personal urging 
that every single one of you would say yes to coming to Welcome to Mountain as soon as possible, maybe this month. I got a slide here. It said, we have four offerings this month. Here's why. Everyone who comes says it changes things dramatically for them. It changes their relationship with God. changes the way they feel connected to the church. It shrinks the church, and their level of engagement moves up. So if we can get everyone to participate in the things we talk about, it's fun, it's festive, we have food, we goof off, but we talk about important stuff. If we get everyone, it'll raise the redemptive impact of this church, and it'll raise the redemptive impact of your life. So just write your name, circle Welcome to Mountain, and turn it in on the way out the door in a moment at any of our campuses, and we'll call you and we'll talk about when you want to come, or you figure it out, or go online and sign up. I hope you'll do that because it'll, it'll be a high-impact time for you, and I'll look forward to seeing you there. Friends, nothing's more important than the work that God is doing in the world, and for some crazy, oddball reason, he's invited us, this family, into it. So let's get after it. we got work to do. Let me pray for you. Father, I'm so grateful for your grace that reaches out to any person, including me and those around me right now. Help us, Father, not just to be grateful that we're blessed, but to put our hands to the oars and turn the boat of our life and this church in a ruthless way, on a mission-first sort of way to anyone who needs your love until you complete your project and all things are made new through Christ. We pray it in Jesus' name and all God's people said,